So, as you've heard, my name is uh, Scott, and I'm on the eldership and leadership team here at the church. And I'm going to be speaking for the next 30 minutes or so, uh, continuing our series, as Shauna says, looking at some foundational Christian beliefs that we find in the Apostles' Creed, that we've just read together, that we've just heard together. And the Creed gives us a basic outline of what Christians believe about God the Father, about God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. It tells us a bit about the church and what we are to expect in the days to come, in the years to come. Every statement has many uh, verses from the Bible uh, that kind of root it. These are, uh, the creed is deeply rooted in the Bible. They are the things that seem to be repeated and underlined throughout the Old and New Testament that we then draw out that have been distilled in this one statement that we get to read. We're here today at the end of the section on Jesus. We've heard of his birth to a virgin, his suffering, his death, his resurrection. And we've seen why these things are fundamental in what we believe as Christians. If we are to be followers of Jesus, then these are the things that we will all agree on. And uh, as we've read through, as we've been preaching through, what we've been trying to show is why these statements are there. Why were these the ones that have been pulled out? Why are they important? Why do we need to believe these things? So last week, David looked at the statement, he ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why does it matter why we believe that? Well, because it tells us where Jesus is now. Jesus is not dead, but he's alive. He's interceding for us before the Father. He isn't uh, just an ethereal spirit. He's there in bodily form. And that matters because we know that one day we will go there and we will be in bodily form. We're going to be welcomed into heaven with human hands. Him being at the right hand and sitting down show us that Jesus is ruling and reigning. How do we know that? Because being at someone's right hand is a designation of power, of authority. Him sitting down is the same. A king sits on his throne, right? We know as he rules over his kingdom, which is ultimately the universe, that we as his ambassadors here on earth carry spiritual authority because we carry the same authority as the king who is at the right hand. What confidence we have. Do you see why these statements matter? They matter. They are loaded with meaning. They are rich with biblical understanding. They are fundamental to what we believe. And we continue that journey today as we look at, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. If the last few weeks have been about Jesus' past and present works, we now move on to his future works. The things he is still to do. And this in itself shows us something. It shows us that the purposes of God are still all to play for. It's not finished completely. It shows that we have a sure and a certain hope. A sure and a certain hope. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into the statement. So Father, I thank you that as we gather this morning... We don't gather just as friends or just as family around a table, but we gather as the people of God. We gather as a community that love you, that are for you, that choose you. And we choose you because of what your son Jesus has done for us. 
what he is doing for us and eternally what he will do for us. So as I speak this morning, I pray you would help me, Holy Spirit, to uh, speak clearly. That you would give us hearts and minds to be receptive to what it is you're speaking to us as a community and as individuals. I say, Holy Spirit, would you move amongst us with power this morning? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So the first bit of the statement I want us to look at is, and he will come. And he will come. As a teenager, I remember watching the Terminator movie. I don't know if you watched that or not, but I remember watching the Terminator movie. And in the movie, there's a scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger, as the Terminator enters a police station, and he's looking for Sarah Connor. If you don't know the story, I apologize, but Sarah Connor is the main protagonist. She's been arrested. She's she's been caught up by the police. He's looking for her. And he's denied entry by the policeman at the desk. And then you get this moment where Arnie, as the Terminator, kind of just looks around, and the camera follows him, and he's looking up, and he's looking across, and there's this glass front in front of the desk, and you can see he's kind of sizing it up. And then he looks at the policeman and he says, I'll be back. And he walks out. And then the next bit is a bit of cinematography that is just beautiful. The next bit we just see for a while, we just see the policeman writing on his book. And it zooms right in on his pencil and he's writing on his book. And we're we're zoomed into the book and then all of a sudden, crash! The car comes through the front of the police station. There's a suddenness about it all comes through the front of the desk and be sure Arnie came back he returned just as he said he would (laughs) the question for us today is did Jesus say that he'd be back did Jesus say that he'd be back because let's face it if he did he's far more reliable than Arnie Jesus when he walked on earth spoke of a time when he would come again Throughout the rest of the New Testament, the writers had an expectation that Jesus would one day return. Friends, we can be sure that Jesus is coming again. In Matthew 16, verse 27, we hear Jesus say, For the Son of Man will come, will come with his angels in the glory of his Father. The Son of Man is a a term that Jesus used of himself. In Matthew 25, verse 31, he says again, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him. In John 14, to calm the disciples before he leaves, he tells them that he is going, but then he says, when everything is ready, then I will come back for you. I will come back for you. Jesus is clear that he will return. And so are the disciples. When Paul writes to the believers in Thessalonica, he repeats what Jesus has said. We find it in 1 Thessalonians 4. He says, Paul says, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, then he finishes his statement. He goes on to say that for the Lord himself will come down. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Jesus will come again. 
Hallelujah. And he's going to come, not as a spirit, not as an ethereal being, but as a person. He will return as he went in bodily form. Somehow, all peoples will see him on his return. I don't know if that's going to be the best use of social media and the internet ever, or whether we're all going to be gathered in one place. I don't know how it's going to happen, but we are all going to see him at one place, at one time. We're going to, we're going to see him as he returns. Everyone that's still alive will, will be part of that. Jesus will be coming, will be a physical and not just a spiritual moment. It's not like Jesus, oh, he's, he's living in my heart, he's already returned, he's in my heart. No. He's going to come physically. There is a moment, friends, when Jesus will return. Yes. Just as Arnie's return was sudden, Jesus's too will be sudden. As much as we are told things that point to the signs of his coming, we cannot be certain when the return will be. I mean, people have debated this for years and they're going to continue to do so until he does return. Are you pre-millennial? Are you a-millennial? Are you post-millennial? I do you know what? I don't even know if I'm pan-millennial. I don't know what millennial I am. What I do know is what I'm really sure of is that Jesus is coming again. And we can spend hours, months, years, decades, our whole lives trying to reason through how it will happen, why, when it will happen. But let's just be ready for when it will happen. Jesus is coming again. Now, why is this important? Why do we need to care about it? Why was it recorded in the Apostles' Creed? Of all the teaching that got pulled out, why was this one of the things? Well, it shows us that there is still work to do. We live between the time of Jesus' ascension, his, his rising, and his return. We still battle sin. We still battle the flesh. We still battle the devil. All these things have been defeated at the cross, but we have to claim that victory on a daily basis. And when we don't, we repent and we look again to God for our forgiveness. But friends, there is a day coming where that battle will not be waged. It matters. See, maybe life for you right now is good. You have all that you need, even much of you want that you want, maybe some of you all that you want. Your health, your relationships, your finances, your workplace experiences are all relative to everybody else, good, maybe even great. In these circumstances, maybe sometimes we could find ourselves thinking that if Jesus could just put off coming, you know, until I'm ready, until I'm like into my dotage and I've, I've seen the grandchildren come through and maybe even great-grandchildren and I know I've set everyone on a good footing and, you know, I've prayed my way. Uh, maybe, maybe then Jesus can come back because everything's quite good for me, really. The truth of Jesus' sudden coming can be somewhat of a challenge to us if that's our experience. Because maybe we've got plans, maybe we've got financial plans, maybe we've got so on and so forth. The suddenness of Jesus' coming means he can cut across all of that in a moment. And we don't need to be ready with our financial plan for our retirement. We need to be ready for Jesus being amongst us. We hear he will come 
And maybe we just see it as an academic point of view. After all, it's been 2,000 years, he still hasn't come. You know, it might not even be in my time, so it's academic. It's actually, no, it's going to happen suddenly. We don't know when it's going to come. Are we ready? Are we following after him? Have we, got, have we been keeping close accounts with him? Are we ready? But for those who live a life of struggle and a life of pain, where maybe one of all the measures I've mentioned, you know, finances, health, relationships, workplace experience, are difficult, maybe even excruciating, then Jesus' coming will be a relief. It will be the relief that they're looking for. There will be a longing in their hearts that I don't yet experience. Jesus cannot come quick enough. I heard something this week that used the phrase, we can only long, you know, longing, that kind of, that desire of your heart when you really want something. You know, when your children long for that thing they've just seen on an advert. They long for the ice cream. They're longing. They're so longing that they tell you about it all the time, that that's what they speak to you about. That's the one thing that's on their mind. That's the one thing that's playing on them. That's longing. That's longing for something. It's often something we haven't got. We long for something. I heard the phrase, we can only long for something as long as we have lamented about something. That we felt the pain. We felt the injustice we felt the indignity we felt something and we've mourned over that and we're we don't want that that's not like this is this isn't right this isn't fair why why lord oh lord why that lamenting we learn to long for the return of christ through suffering not through comfort this statement is important jesus is coming he will come there is a hope laden statement right there Jesus will come again Jesus will return as eggs is eggs suddenly and in bodily form to do what though well the the creed tells us he's coming to judge he's coming to judge now, I don't know if you picked up or not, but last weekend saw the new Britain's Got Talent uh, program start on ITV. And uh, on Britain's Got Talent, people go on there, they stand on a stage, they do things, sing, dance. They're not necessarily good. And they know they're going to be judged. They may have like the red buzzer go, or they may have the golden buzzer go, depending on how good they are. Okay, but they know there's a judgment coming. They're aware of that when they stick themselves, which is why it's so amazing when some of them go, I can't believe it! Because it's like they can't believe they've been judged. You're not good. I thought I was brilliant. <laughs> this year, on the judging lineup, we've got Simon Cowell, we've got Amanda Holden, we've got Alicia Dixon, but there's been a change. No longer is there David Walliams after some controversy last year. No, we've now got Bruno Antonioli. This is the first time, friends, in 10 years that the people that are getting on the stage to do the sublime and ridiculous of Britain's Got Talent are going to be judged by someone different. Why am I telling you that? Well, as Christians, we know that we will get judged. There is a judgment day coming. 
all will stand on the, the BGT stage and we will face a judgment. But we don't have to wonder who the judge might be and how long he's going to be around. The scriptures and therefore the creed make it clear that the judge is Jesus. He is the judge. Not the father, but the son. And that reality will never change. There will be no controversy that will ever overthrow him. He will be the judge. In John 5, verse 22 and 23, Jesus says, In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son. And then in 26 to 29 of John 5, we read, Jesus say, the father has life in himself and has granted that same life-giving power to his son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the son of man. This is also the disciples, their expectation. Peter in Acts 10 is preaching to the house of Cornelius. And during that preach, he says, and he, Jesus, ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one that appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. And in 2 Timothy, Paul says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. There's a real clarity. Jesus is our judge. At some point, history as we know it will be wrapped up on a day of judgment. And Jesus will be the presiding judge. His judgment will be for believers and unbelievers. And it's going to be a sobering moment for all. Jesus tells a story about uh, how he's going to judge between the sheep and the goats. There's going to be sheep, there's going to be goats. He's going to put them off to two different pastures. And there's going to be two different categories, two different judgments for those categories. For the sheep, the believers, the judgment will not be about whether we'll be saved or not. That is secure. Believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. Liz did a brilliant preach on justification recently and that, that's, that's happened. We are justified before our judge. Our judgment will be more about our works after salvation and it will determine our rewards. Now, I'm not going to say anything on that this morning. We've got that coming at the end of the series with Sean. But we will be judged and we will be given rewards in accordance to the works after our salvation. For unbelievers, their judgment, again, is not about their salvation. That has already been decided when they are not following after Jesus, after a rejection of Jesus. It will determine the severity of the punishment that they receive based on what they did in life. It's sobering. This isn't just a glib statement I'm trotting off. As I was writing it this week, it was so hard. I'm just thinking about people that I love, people that I care about that don't yet know Jesus. You can't just hear this and be like, oh well, God will save them somehow. No, he's put you in their lives. So 
So why is there judgment, you could ask? It's a great question. And this is why things like uh, the creed are so helpful, because they, they point us towards something that is uncomfortable. We have a really strong sense of justice, don't we? Most of us in the room. We have a really strong sense of justice. We want justice for all sorts of things. It seems there's a whole generation of people coming through now. that They, they, they want to fight a cause, even if it's not the cause they 100% believe, believe in. They just want to get behind something for justice. And, and that's, that's right. Because our God is a just God. He is a God of justice and we are made in his image and therefore we are going to experience that longing for justice to make right what is wrong to bring fairness where it's not been found maybe even see in our in our darkest moments that whole thing of people just need to get what they deserve maybe we've had that kind of experience when we thought about justice God is just. There must be a judgment day. Judgment day will come as God's holiness demands it. All that has ever been done wrong will be righted. Because everything that's ever been done wrong ultimately has been done wrong against him. Discrimination, abuse, unfaithfulness, cheating, lying, bullying. All of which may have gone unchecked now. Unpunished now. Will be dealt with. Because the holiness of God demands it. You know, we read, don't we, that in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no sin. Sinners cannot enter that place. Sin cannot go into that place. It's, it's done. So judgment day has to happen, so everything gets dealt with. Nothing will go unseen or unnoticed, and that includes in our lives this is where it's sobering there is a moment of hope in all of this once again we can see we don't have to carry about the sin that others have done to us we can hand it over to God in forgiveness knowing that that's a painful thing to do but we can hand it over knowing that we we aren't the ones who are judging it's God who will judge justice will be meted out on that I just want to address something at this point. Maybe some of you have heard the analogy of standing before the throne of God and having our whole life played out as if it was like a, a, a kind of Hollywood reel on a big screen and everyone's going to be standing and watching. Maybe some of you have heard that analogy when preachers have preached. I want to say that it, that's preacher's license because the book clearly says that it will be the book of our deeds that will be opened and that will be read from. It's going to be no big screen, no telly. We're so screen addicted, aren't we? We even think that's going to be in heaven, right? It's not going to be that. It's going to be personal. For believers, there's no sense of shame in any of this. Maybe there's been a little fear. You're a believer here this morning. You've had a bit of fear about that, that final day. What, what's, he going to, what's he going to say? What's going to come out from under the carpet that he's found? Nothing. You know he knows. There's no shame in any of this. Our shame is covered at the cross of Jesus Christ. Our debt has been paid. 
Our guilt has been dealt with. Forgiveness has been given. We have been set free. We are being set free. And on this final day, we will eternally be set free. Hallelujah. There's no shame in this moment. We don't have to fear that moment in case we've forgotten about our sin and haven't repented of it. It's dealt with. We can come confidently as sheep, knowing we are His and He is ours. And we belong in His kingdom. Good and faithful servant, well done. Welcome. Yes, there will be a judgment for what we've done. Yes, it will pertain to our rewards. But we will hear good and faithful servant. There is no shame. There is no fear. There is no guilt in that moment. Hallelujah. Now, friends, in the here and now, that takes forgiveness and it takes repentance on a regular basis. In the here and now, before we get to that point, we need to be those who forgive much because we are forgiven much. And who keep short accounts with God because you know on a daily basis you sin as much as I do. And we need to keep those short accounts with God knowing that it is dealt with. There is forgiveness. Preaching the gospel to ourselves daily and letting judgment day be part of the gospel. Because it is part of the gospel. It's not just the cross and the resurrection. Maybe if you remember to tack it on the ascension. But it's the, the coming again of our Lord and Savior. Paul seemed to look forward to that day. I know for me personally, I don't fear that moment. As a moment of shame. But I, I do feel sense of butterflies sometimes. And there's, there's something of the awe and the wonder that's going to be on that day. You know when you've had that great time with him in the Bible or in a worship session or something and you think, oh, I will go to be with him and you get the butterflies. I think there's an excitement around, what's it going to be like? What's he going to look like? What, how am I going to feel in that moment? And it, you can start feeling something stir up. Because that's the day where we're going to at last see our Lord and Savior face to face. And oh, what a day that will be. <sighs> No longer living by faith. People saying to you, what, you believe in someone you can't see? You love someone you can't see? You give your life for someone you can't see? Hey, I'm going to see him. Because he's coming. Judgment day is coming. And when I see him face to face, oh, what a day. Oh, what a day. Look at someone next to you and say, oh, what a day. I'm trying to put a smile on your face, guys. This is great hope. This is great hope. But boy, if I wasn't following Jesus, in that moment when he returns, I know I'd be terrified. I'd be terrified. Because everything you'd heard about, everything that had been suggested to you, everything you'd seen, but you'd mocked and you'd, you'd put on a shelf, you said, no, it can't be that. No, it's, it's, all, it's something else. It can't be this is now in front of you. Oh, what a day. And friends, this has got to be our biggest driver as a community to get behind local mission in our town and beyond, surely. On our streets, in, in the places where we work, in the places where we play. It can't just be the nice folk. We've got to be the nice folk who believe in Jesus. There's lots of nice folk out there. 
So Jesus is coming, and he's coming to judge. Who's he coming to judge? He's coming to judge the living and the dead. To finish this morning, I just want to land us in this last bit. I've already alluded to it in the last point, but Jesus is coming to judge all peoples of all times, of all places. All peoples, all times, all places. We can't get ahead around that. We know people have died, but there's going to be a day where he will judge both those who are still alive and those who have died. Everyone will be involved in that judgment. It's a total judgment. In, Acts 10, in our Acts 10 passage, and our 2 Timothy passage, they both refer to the fact that Jesus will judge the living and the dead. It will be a total judgment in every, uh, for all human beings, in every nation, from all backgrounds, from all postcodes, from all colors, creeds, races, tribes, tongues, genders, classes, castes. No one escapes the judgment of God. No one gets to book that day off. I think I'll have a toil day that day. You can't be sick and get a sick note. It happens to all. All is the word used whenever we see this referenced. All. And again, this gives us hope. Even if people have died and not faced judgment for what they've done to us, they still will. In order for the absolute shalom of God, the peace of God to reign, all sin has to be dealt with and all sinners punished. All will be judged, the living and the dead. John 5, 29 says, Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have done evil will rise to experience judgment. The ESV, the English Standard Version, puts it, Those who do good rise to a resurrection of life, and those who have done evil rise to a resurrection of judgment. Friends, what we've seen this morning is sobering. Jesus will come again in all his glory with the angels, those who have gone before us, and he will judge. And nothing and no one will be overlooked. But friends, this is a glorious hope for us that are following after him. It is a glorious hope. It will be the moment that seals the end of life here on earth as we know it, that wraps up history as we understand it, however it's been debated and disagreed with throughout the ages. And the final, it is finished, will be realized. And we will know freedom like never before. May these deep truths of the faith that have been distilled in the Apostles' Creed fill our prayers and our urgency to see our families, friends and neighbors who are far from him come to know the love of Jesus Christ. Let the truths leave us with a great hope that will pass, that we will pass through the final judgment and into the promised land of the new heavens and the new earth. And we will be with him forever and dwell with him forever. As followers of Christ, we don't have to fear that day as it comes. There is nothing that will compare on this earth to the glories of what is to come. Jesus is our greatest prize. No bank balance, no relationship, no position at work is ever going to trump the treasure that Jesus is in your life. 
and the treasure it will be to see him face to face. I'm a big West Ham fan. And we have got a chance of a European final coming up in the next few weeks. The next few weeks, my friends. We could win a final. Now that's exciting for me, maybe even a little miraculous. <laughs> but if the trumpet sounded tomorrow, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care. That pales into insignificance to the trumpet call and the appearance of my Savior and my Lord. Hallelujah! I would give it all to hear that trumpet sound tomorrow. Will I be ready? Hope so. What about you? Can I just quickly say, because it would be remiss of me to not do this right at the end. If you are not yet following Jesus here today, friends, do not delay. Today can be a day of hope for you. There is no time like the present to say yes to him. To following after him. To making him your Lord and Savior. Are you ready for the day he returns? If you're not yet following him, you're not ready. But today you can get ready. It's not just a, this isn't just a religious idea. The one that said he would die and rise again on the third day and he did those things has said he will come again to judge. I'm going to trust that guy. If you're interested in finding out a bit more, you can come and speak to me, speak to the person you came with. If not, we have got the Alpha course that we've heard about. That's starting. Is that this week? It's starting next week? 3rd of May. Starting on the 3rd of May. Sign up to the Alpha course. Get along. I became a Christian on an Alpha course. That's where I really heard about Jesus. That's where I committed my life to following him at the age of 23. Never look back. That's where I found hope. Sign up to Alpha. But don't let this big idea just pass you by as a religious idea. This is going to happen. This is how history is going to end. But for now, as I wrap up, we're going to turn our attention back to Jesus. We're going to sing to him one more time this morning. So if the band can come, knowing in our hearts and in our souls that one day we are going to see our Lord and Savior once more face to face. And all our faith will be proved to be real. Amen.